1: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining. We have a great episode today. It's with comedian and producer, Abby Holland. One of my favorite talks that I've had on this podcast, so I can't wait for you to hear it. But first, I have to let you know there is a new podcast episode out that I am the guest on. I was thankful to go on Apocalypse dot 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 now with Joanna Van Thyne, and she was g- really great to talk to. You can listen to that anywhere that you get podcasts, and you can also check out more of what she's doing. You could just head on over to Instagram and follow at Joe Pincushion. And you can also follow the podcast at Apocalypse Podcast Network. So check that episode out. Like I said, it is out now, and uh, there's a free version that's out that you can get anywhere. But if you go to the Patreon, you can become a part of her nation, the Apocalypse Nation, and you can get commercial-free episodes of the podcast. So go check that out and if you are here because you heard that episode thanks so much for joining us you joined us on a really great episode because abby holland is hilarious but also very thoughtful and we have a really great chat about her career the work that she has done in advocacy and it's just a thoughtful conversation i love when that happens so let's get right to it here's my chat with abby holland saw you perform a long time ago and didn't realize that when I asked you to be on the podcast that I had seen you before, but when I was researching, I saw Buzz Off Lucille was
0: yeah. one of your big
1: creds, and you're still doing a lot of work with that fantastic crew. Molly Gaby's been on the podcast.
0: Oh, she has? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Molly's my bestie. Yeah, She's we did wonderful. so much. Yeah, you no, know, she's she's the best. We've did we've done so many things together, worked, it, traveled together. We've seen literally every part of each other's bodies, like <laughs> all of our bad parts, our good parts. Like, yeah, she's she's like one of my old school, like almost one of my first comedy friends too. So I've known her for a long time and worked with her for so long. So
1: yeah, love Molly. Yeah, we saw you at uh, uh, I guess it was the Charleston Comedy Festival, and it oh my was god, you pr- before wow. I moved up here. Yeah, because I used to live in South Carolina in Greenville, and then I was at the Charleston Comedy Festival. I believe this was this had to have been before we moved, but yeah, uh, a buzz off Lucille performed, and I just thought you all were delightful and hilarious. <laughs>
0: That was such a fun show. And that was right before, I think that was January of 2017, right before Trump was elected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we had to fly back. That was a crazy trip because we we did our sketch show and it was so fun and Charleston was so great. Mm-hmm. And then we had to fly back so early the next day because we were, all of us were, we were the writing team for Lady Parts Justice, which is now mm-hmm. Abortion Access Front. Um, and we had to like, do all this stuff for the Women's March in New York City, so mm. that was like a crazy time period. But that's so funny that you <laughs> saw us there. Yeah, that yeah. show that we did was a one of a, a show that I'm really proud of that we did. It was so show.
1: great, and it was how I ended up. I don't know how. I I think somehow I met Molly another way, and maybe it was even right after that show. I talked to probably all of you and said the show was great but for whatever reason i saw molly and jen uh, uh, separately uh from immediately after that show and then that's how i ended up having molly on the show but uh you all were so fun and that was immediately before we moved to new york because we moved to new york march 1st of that same year so it was right wow. before. It was a part of our going away tour. Was seeing that uh, that fun festival and being a part of that fun festival.
0: Oh my god! Oh, did you perform too? Yes,
1: um, oh, I did. Oh, awesome! A, not a, That's great. Not sketch, but um, improv, and it was a lot of fun. It was a good time. Oh Always a good time at Theater yeah. Ninety
0: Nine. Oh my god! It's it's so awesome, especially to perform in in like the quote unquote South. I guess you would say, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's different when you're doing improv or sketch or any sort of comedy, you know, in New York City, you're performing mainly in front of a liberal audience and mm-hmm. you kind of know what you can get away with. And one of the things, especially because because we toured a lot, too, with Lady Price Justice and we would do comedy and uh, those sketches that we did in Charleston, we would do all over the country. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting to get feedback from, from perspectives <laughs> from like, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, somewhere in Tennessee, Charleston, and we're like, oh shit! We didn't even know how the audiences were going to react because we were very heavy-handed in in <laughs> a lot of our boli- political beliefs and stuff. But but I will say the audience in Charleston was was amazing and awesome. Well, so that's it was, the thing. Charleston
1: great. is one of the progressive cities, one of the the most progressive city probably in South Carolina. So I mean they they went blue that election. So um that that That's county. Right. right. So but liberals in South Carolina being in the bubble of uh, the Bible Belt and in uh, the, mm-hmm. the Christian right is different than liberals of New York where because liberals here we can go a little more buck wild and um <laughs> not <laughs> oh, buck yeah. wild in a bad way. I just <laughs> mean we can really we can really feel our feelings in a more open environment and then that leads to going further down the road whereas we as as a liberal who lived in south carolina you got to be a little more clenched or you're met with a lot more uh um aggression in some cases or just like brick walls in other cases and so you don't get to go anymore down that road sometimes uh, as you can in New York. And I have seen how mm-hmm. it's affected comedy. And so it's very interesting that you got to go to Ohio. Because I, when I went to If I was like, okay, Ohio, I don't know what this is going to be like. And they were like pretty liberal.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like yeah. Probably a similar experience to Charleston. And then yeah. like, Tennessee. Where were you in Tennessee?
0: So uh Nashville. Okay. Um that's going to be we, more of a mix,
1: mixed bag I think.
0: It is it was a bit of a mixed bag. We oh my god. Well, it's kind of it's kind of funny because we were scheduled to do a show at um a college there. Mm-hmm. And w- so a big part of that that particular sketch show that you saw um we were um playing male characters the Mm -hmm. entire show (laughs) and so we were we kind of you know we did the show i guess you could say in drag (laughs) and um apparently there had been some sort of uh scandal or something that happened on campus where for halloween uh i guess some some of the guys dressed up as girls or something like that and something happened with like the trans community or um Mm -hmm. Some sort of PC thing. So, like, last minute, we the day before we were supposed to show do the show, we got an email from the the people, and they're like, "Yeah, so we can't have you do the show because they're we we are in like we're in hot water with the, mm. the campus right now with with politics this and kind of
1: thing, yeah. yeah.
0: And so we were like, oh, sh-. we we were really bummed because our show, I think, wasn't. I don't think it was offensive we were we were like talking about political things and like feminism and mm-hmm. masculinity and just doing them as these male characters and I didn't think I thought we did it justice I don't think we we weren't doing like "Quote unquote" sight gags, like we weren't dressing as men just to dress as men, right? You know, for it to be like a funny thing, we did it like on purpose. When Mm -hmm. because when we originally wrote the show, we we weren't like, oh yeah, let's do this as male characters. It kind of like formed in a way to do it like that. Okay. Um. But yeah, it's just it it kind of sucks. So we actually didn't get to perform in Nashville.
1: Oh wow, um, that's very interesting. That's an interesting experience because, as you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, I guess how how could someone do it for an audience that feels uncomfortable with uh, with the situation of just you know d- just dressing differently than uh, gender? Um, I mean, it's yeah. a, it's uh, because you're not I, as someone who saw the show. You're certainly not trying to make any jabs uh, re- no. remotely at trans people in general, any kind of trans person. Um, right. Or any kind of crossdresser who maybe doesn't identify <laughs> as trans. Like that just exactly. wasn't a part of it. But if it's, I mean, that's a slightly different situation what you experienced because it was more like, well, we don't want the, you know, <laughs> We don't want, we don't to want the noise right now. Right. Yeah. It was more like we just got in trouble for something similar and this might just play into that in a way just, I don't want to.
0: <laughs> the, and there's there's nuance and there's right. like, of course, ours was totally different. But I can understand how if they were, I don't know, our, it's, it's, it's so tough. I mean, and this this is goes we can talk about too like you know pc stuff and like Mm -hmm. the cancel culture and also comedy i think it's like it's completely being being affected by all this and i think especially on college campuses i think Mm -hmm. i think in a good way they're 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 liberal and people are more accepting and i think um you know People go by he, he, him, and she, her, and people are saying pronouns now. I mm-hmm. think this is all great stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's just it's it's been tough for certain parts of the country to absorb what that's all about.
1: Right, and then I think there's also sometimes in people's rightful interest to be sensitive can overcorrect in certain situations not right. I'm not specifically referring to trans issues but just in general people yeah. can overcorrect sometimes and i do sometimes see young people not address the overcorrection and then yes. it becomes sort of doubling down like then the other side then doubles down and then we lose the needed conversation and just people playing their games on twitter the way tribes can play their games and that just is you so You put sad that to see. so beautifully. Oh, thank you. you, you, uh,
0: you, you yeah, you put that <laughs> so beautifully. I, I mean it's it's that's kind of exactly what it is. And I'm a true believer too, and discussion and, um, you know, you know, Hey, I like, I worked, I'm, I'm like a flaming liberal. I worked for like an abortion organization and <laughs> mm-hmm. yet, but I still like, I still think that sometimes this cancel culture, cancel culture, or things can get a little bit out of hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the line is. I think right. we need to still, we need to have these conversations and we need to like, I think we need to let people make mistakes, but mm-hmm. I also think that you know, if someone says something super offensive or insightful or violence or something, of course they need to be called out. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're in this weird time with that kind of stuff. And also with comedy, it's like, you you see see so many comedians being canceled. I mean, some for sexual assault stuff, but But as far as speech and stuff, it's like a huge thing right now.
1: It is. It totally is because... We're trying to weave, basically, a very... There There are a lot of aspects to this discussion about cancel culture. A phrase that I kind of hate, but I mostly, know. Because, <laughs> mostly because of the way people use it, right? Like, yes. you know, people say, like, well, Harvey Weinstein was canceled. It's, that was the criminal justice system.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was canceled it's supposed by the law.
1: To. Right, that's, <laughs> I wouldn't call that canceling so much as... Being held accountable for criminal acts, um, and then like <laughs> recently, you have uh, Gina Carano. It's like, oh, I'm being canceled, and it's like, people weren't trying. Uh, uh, there was a legitimate discussion that people were trying to have. Let's just go back to the trans stuff, that the anti-trans stuff that she said. She mm-hmm. was getting into the Twitter game in a very bitter and malicious way. When I saw people saying to her, hey, the only reason people are putting pronouns Mm. in their profile is to normalize it for people who are trans, and trans people are putting it in there because they want to be correctly spoken to the way they desire to be spoken to, and that is a very necessary thing to say. And instead, she just mocked everybody and she she transitioned the narrative. Oh, for lack of a better term, I didn't mean to say transition, but she Oh no. <laughs> she sort of forced the narrative to be just the people who were being petty and childish the way people can be on Twitter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though the vast majority of people who were saying something to her were not immediately just saying like, Disney, what about this? What about that? Like she was only responding to that kind of noise Mm. of people Mm -hmm. who weren't trying to have a legitimate conversation. And she was ignoring the vast majority who were just having a normal conversation. And you can't call that canceling. That was people trying to have a discussion. And Mm -hmm. you can't call it, Canceling when you go so far so many times and refuse at any point to acknowledge the way other people are living and thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're also, by the way, uh, being pretty reductive about the Holocaust, and you're also yeah. uh, being completely gung ho for election lies. Uh, that led to an insurrection where people died i mean mm. you, that's not being canceled you said things that were legitimately bad here you know like you can't act yeah. like everyone's just being so petty and can't listen to conservative thoughts like th- that's lying about the election that's conservative thought now it's, it's <laughs> yeah it's not small <gasps> government that <laughs> not, yeah. not we should be wise with money it's it's we have yeah. to lying now? Like, uh, do conservatives really want to align themselves with that sort of thought? I, I mean, the, it gets so confusing because there are people who will use the term cancel culture in that way, which is completely yeah. disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And then... There's the legitimate use of the term where there are people on Twitter who are just trolls and are just trying to cause a stir and just trying Mm -hmm. to start a fire, even though they're not actually offended about the thing that they're talking about. And sometimes they're talking about something that should be addressed and maybe sometimes they're making a mountain out of a molehill. But either way, the intent is just to create a storm just so they can sit back and watch the world Burn, oh. you know or whatever you know and that sort of stuff that's a, a, a tactic of a culture that does need to be called out but we can't apply that to anytime someone tries to hold someone accountable and, right. th- and I just hate the way this discussion plays out online and how people will just reduce it to this one thing or reduce a person to just this one thing when maybe they just made a mistake you know it's just it's all a muck yeah. right now and it's so hard uh it's murky waters just a, a, a it's such
0: It's uh, like the it's like a thing. little bit of a wild west. Yeah, yeah we're we're yeah. in we're in a weird weird time when it's like uh, where do we go from here? We're treading water a little bit.
1: Mhm. And it's
0: and I'll I'll say
1: uh, now I've had Keisha Zoller on as well as Mom.
0: Love Keisha.
1: Yes, a couple of people who uh, work at the same organization that uh, with you, right? Uh, didn't Keisha also work at um, Lady Park Stresses?
0: You know, she didn't, but she did. If she may have done a, a few sketches something. with us.
1: Ah, that's what it is. That's the connection.
0: Um, yeah, I think she may have been in a few sketches or or something, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And there was also a stand-up that I had on who worked with you all, and the name is ex- Escape.
0: Oh, it was Joyelle Nicole. Joyelle! Yes. I, she was just on my podcast last week. Oh, wonderful. Um, She's
1: awesome. She is um, so great.
0: She's amazing. She's like, talk about like a talented, like spiritual, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like she, I worked with her for like three years. We we traveled together too. Her Molly and I were like, oh wow, core lady parts justice people for so long. And we've protested in front of abortion clinics together. We've, you know, had to scream at anti-abortion people who were like screaming at us, saying right. we're baby killers and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, Joelle's, uh, she's the best.
1: I do want to talk about this and how, uh, since we're talking about how people engage things on Twitter, I have seen how people have twisted uh, th- sketches or bits you all have done or things that you say online. Uh, I've seen Molly be uh, uh, the focal point of a lot of ire on, on Twitter. And it does... As someone who knows where you all are coming from and agreeing with you and being on the same political spectrum or side of the political spectrum, I notice how th- how annoying it is for me when they twist your words and twist what you're trying to say instead of just having a discussion, right? Yes. Um, I'm curious as to what that experience is like. On your end, how do you all even respond when people start taking your message and deliberately taking it out of context, and then spreading that? Because a lot of checkmark people have done that on Twitter.
0: Oh my God! And th- and this is specifically with like abortion access front stuff or sketches that right, we've done. Yes.
1: Well, yes. Um, uh, and I guess I knew it as uh, uh, until you mentioned it as Lady Parts Justice and i i yeah. saw it when it was still called lady parts justice
0: yeah and uh yeah we had we had a name change because i mean i'll just addre- address that too because we mm-hmm. the the name change because it was um we had just gotten feedback that um Whitney, we it wasn't trans inclusive oh, yeah. and so i think the word the the phrase lady parts i think was never meant to be anything um uh, offensive, but I think, um, it turned out that maybe it, it was a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I think we pivoted and changed it, Mm -hmm. um, which I think was, was a pretty good look. And I think a lot of organizations were really happy that, that we did that. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as, um, oh my God, people twisting words and the internet and Twitter, it's, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. There's nothing you feel helpless when someone takes one part of your message and blows it out into something, you know, that's that's not true or takes our words out of context. I mean, I think anyone who's trying to say something publicly is like can be, you know, a victim of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Even in very small, dumb ways, like I've had that happen (laughs) to me and on Twitter, even recently, where it's like, well, this is an important thing. But you're also totally overlooking my central point. Um, yeah, <laughs>
0: what's that all about? Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's tough. Like, I mean, we were writing. Like when I told people what I did for like three years, they, it, it was kind of. It's like, oh, I'm I write comedy for an <laughs> abortion rights nonprofit organization, and they were like, huh, um, <laughs> right, right, and it it's. It, it's so funny. I mean, it, um, Liz Winstead, who, uh, is the co-creator of the daily show mm-hmm. and who started co started this organization too, is, you know, amazing and, and wonderful. And I learned a lot from her and her thing is comedy. And I, when I, when I got that job, it was like almost a dream come true because buzz off Lucille, we were doing, uh, Feminist comedy, I guess you could say at UCB, we had our, we had two shows run at UCB when it was mm-hmm. open, rest in peace. Oh my God. That's so sad. Oh my yeah, God. A whole other, whole other too. podcast about that. Right. Um, but it was like, almost like a dream job. We, you know, we had met Liz through the grapevine. We, we, we were really interested in, in, you know, abortion rights and Molly's a doula and abortion doula, a, a pregnant, uh, birthing doula she does all that stuff so we kind of got connected through her and then we're like oh my god we get to write comedy and be funny about something we actually care about um but that all goes to say that like writing comedy and even talking about the topic of abortion was is so it's it's one of those like top three topics that i think gets people really riled up emotionally whether it be if you're for or against or um so when you're putting yourself out there with a topic like that and you're doing it with comedy, I think it can be especially um, criticized by the right because they think it's an abomination that you're You're even making light, light.
1: light, right. You're making light of it. Right.
0: Yeah. When really what we're doing is like using the tactic of comedy to educate people Mm -hmm. and to normalize you know, something that we believe is a, a, a human right and, um, a bodily autonomy and, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And all that stuff. It's like, I didn't work at a organization for three years about abortion. <laughs> I, I'm like out of my, um, my element of talking about it because I haven't, I, I don't work there anymore. I still, mm-hmm. you know, I'm connected with them, but I, um, am now a producer at Sirius XM, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, it was it was a lot. It was a lot to take in because we we started working there pre-Trump,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: we were so convinced that he wasn't going to win. Yeah, as and everyone. then the, the, the devastating the devastating thing happened, mm-hmm. and then so we were there pre-Trump, uh, and during Trump, and it was so difficult to work at an organization like that when Trump was the president. I mean, it's hard for a lot of people in a lot of different ways that he was on the top. I, I will, I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think after a while it, um, it got a little overwhelming for me, I will say having to, um, you know, take in all of the horrible things that were happening, especially legislation and, mm-hmm. um, you know, state wise, uh, you know, the, the chipping down of people's rights, um, not only for abortion rights, but for all, all types of Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, it really was, um, devastating to be in. And I think it took, it took a toll on me that I didn't really realize until I kind of, um, shifted over back to the producing side of things. Mm. Um, and I'm so thankful that I, that I worked there and I learned so much just about like our political system, Yeah. how, how, laws are passed. I mean, this is like I got an education in like civics, you know, which I should which every American should have. Everyone I, I, should I have I wish more
1: had it and used the the information accurately. But one of the things we're seeing on Twitter right now is how many comics or blue check marks on Twitter who've been talking about Trump for the last 4 years how much they don't really know about how government works <laughs> because they're mad that things didn't happen instantaneously and it's like you know things have to go through Congress, Votes, right? And, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not as easy as like, well, we've got these things. Like, no, they they still have to vote a lot. <laughs> on, oh my on, god! And they debate a lot, and things end up not working. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. It's not things that things shot down.
0: There's filibusters. There's vetoes. There, you know, the Democrats have this many votes. The Republicans have this many votes. It went past the House but didn't pass through the Senate. Right. There's like so, so much that I'm so grateful that I that I know about, and I consider myself so still politically active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, feminism, like as I, and I have a. a a podcast called Disaster Feminist and I you know kind of like navigate the world of feminism you know and what does it mean to be feminist blah 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 but I but I one thing I always say is that like this route through this feminism um you know abortion uh access stuff was my gateway to even more ac- activism for for everyone and anything I think it was my gateway drug mm-hmm. and um <laughs> You know, I, and it's, it's great. Like I, you know, think we should all support each other. Everyone who's being, you know, I don't want to say persecuted, but you know what I mean? People who have been like shut down by that, that past administration and who have been treated poorly and treated unfairly. Um, yeah, it was just kind of my way into like wanting to join all of the groups.
1: Right. I don't know how much you anticipated that happening when you started comedy, but uh, it sounds like you weren't necessarily expecting (laughs) to get that education (laughs) when you started, but
0: I wasn't, I, I, I really wasn't. I honestly didn't really, like I said, I didn't have like a, I had one government class in high school. I wasn't really interested in politics. I think in college I went to a, um, uh, an anti Bush rally one time. Um, you know, but I, but I, you know, the only I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm like going down memory lane. Holy crap. I, I moved to New York like 13 years ago, wanting to do wanting to, quote unquote, do comedy. And, <laughs> um you know, I think I had always been a person who would want to, like, stick up for people who had been like bullied or something like that. But that didn't really meld together until I started working at Lady Prince Justice. Oh, that's interesting. Um,
1: because within your credits, you have a ton of credits, uh, like uh, VH1, MTV, Comedy Central. You've been on all these things. You moved here 13 years ago to do comedy. Well, look, sounds like you did. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like that. Check that yeah. off uh, in a pretty big way, getting uh, all those credits.
0: Yeah. I mean, I kind of like took... I was like simultaneously doing two things. I moved to the city and like, I knew two things I wanted to work in TV Mm -hmm. and I wanted to take classes at upright citizens brigade. That was like, (laughs) I want to do these two things. And I immediately moved here, signed up for a sketch class. And I, I got a job at VH one. And, um, I worked at Best Week Ever, and that's how I know Cassie St. I, Ange. St. Ange, yeah. So oh, I worked okay. with her. I was like uh, an intern, then mm-hmm. a PA at Best Week Ever, like in its heyday. And I, I was like, I felt like I had hit the the, the jackpot. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, like Paul F. Tompkins, John Mulaney, um, yeah. uh, Jessica St. Clair. Um, uh, the, uh,
1: Donald Logue, was that when – was, that when, was oh, he ever know.
0: in – I,
1: guess I, don't know. The, like, I love the 80s. He did more of those.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. The same like they were on our floor. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, was-
0: all of these amazing people were there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I liked the production end of stuff, but I also wanted to do writing and performing. So I kept doing sketch and improv you know, meeting people like Molly Gaby and Joyelle and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that route, but while simultaneously having this like production job at VH1. And so I was like, kind of, you know, juggling these two on air, off air or on on stage behind off stage, kind of like personas. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for, I was lucky because I had a job and, you know, it was at a cool place and, you know, I com- We would have comedians come in all the time in VH1 and do all these like, you know, talking head shows. Um, I love the blah, blah, blahs or a 40 greatest, you know, cat videos of the Britney Spears heyday, you know, everything and anything we would <laughs> yeah. we would do. Um, so I was networking, you know, at VH1 at UCB, mm-hmm. um, doing all of that stuff. And, you know, then it kind of, uh, then they like, I think in like 2014, they like got rid of a bunch of people at VH1, which they do from time to time. Right. And then I pursued comedy like full time. And I was, did a web series, you know, I did a solo show at SoloCom at the pit, you know, musical yeah. improv. You just try to do like everything right. that you can, yeah. magnet. Um, so, but then, then, like, a year or two after that, I got hired um, with Lady Parts Justice, and that seemed like an awesome dream job.
1: Right, and also, um, like, kind of bringing everything together. <laughs> yeah. Up to that point, yeah.
0: Yeah, I could use my producing skills and my writing skills and performing skills all together for, like, a greater good. Mm-hmm. It was It was really awesome, and that was... Yeah, I guess a surprise bonus that happened when I started comedy. Um, I, I think I had always wanted to make a difference in the world, I guess you could say. But I didn't I didn't know if I think I could have done it through comedy. But I guess I learned that it was possible through people like Liz Winstead and mm-hmm. people, you know, like even Sarah Silverman and people who, um, you know, push the envelope and are politically Jon Stewart, you know, all, all of yeah. all of these people. Um so I feel lucky that I was able to have that experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you were there, um, you were at all these places at interesting times. Um, like Best Week Ever, like you said, was uh, at its heyday. I still see this video that probably happened at the time you were there, which was when Chocolate Rain, remember that Tazan day when yes! Chocolate Rain and oh, Shrod Small and bye. John Mayer did that song. That, I just saw that the other day, because it's still like viral.
0: I was there when they made that. I I was, a I was a PA. Oh my God. (laughs) Sherrod small is so funny. He, I, I remember because in that office, it was so funny because it's everyone like on their computers, like looking and Twitter wasn't even that it wasn't even like, (laughs) Invented yet, or was about to be invented? Right. People were scouring the internet looking for funny things that happened. We were watching TV <laughs> shows all day, and the, the, my connection now. So I work at the Michelle Collins show at SiriusXM, and she she worked there as well as a writer mm. for the website. Um, so people like her so funny, so smart, would scour the internet to find these, like, funny videos, including <laughs> Chocolate Rain. <laughs> and I believe we got the guy, didn't we?
1: Uh, probably.
0: Did we get him? I, I'm I, cause sure. He, did he I, have, like, a low voice? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, for, okay.
1: He was on something. I just don't remember now what um, what he was on, but it had to have been.
0: Yeah, I I just, I remember, like... <laughs> them filming it I don't think I was at the shoot but I was in the office and I remember that like episode airing and it being one of the funniest things that like our writers had come up with and (laughs) Sherrod is so funny and so such a nice guy too he was he was always so nice to everybody and um yeah I like Sherrod a lot
1: that's cool oh man memories (laughs) so Uh. funny
0: like all those experience, I experiences I had, like observing, like a lot of like, as a PA, I had to transcribe hilarious <laughs> Nick Kroll. Oh, my God. Nick oh, Kroll and John yeah. Mulaney would be like so funny. I would have to transcribe like all of these um, these interviews and I would be dying laughing transcribing. I would sit in on interviews. I really got like an education in like. I don't know how people are funny, you know, rhythm, all that Mm -hmm, kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I knew I had some sort of natural ability. And I, of course, had moved to New York to pursue it. But what a dream it was to be able to, like, watch these people who have gone on to do so many amazing, hilarious, smart things in comedy and have been able to, like, see them like raw doing it. Early in their
1: career. Yeah. I mean, like all of them just about um, are such big names now. Like Paul F. Tompkins, that was when he was becoming a big name. And that was like how everyone was introduced to John Mulaney. And um, mm-hmm. now you see how just how great he is and how he's yeah. grown so much as a as a comedian, as a voice of comedy.
0: Yeah, it's it's really awesome. And I feel so cool to have seen that it also makes me feel a little bit old but also I'm like I'm still in my 30s I'm still like doing okay so
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you you said you moved to New York 13 years ago and you, you had these awesome experiences that we've been talking about what were you doing before you moved here and where were you
0: so I, um, I'm from Western New York State, uh, a little town uh, south of Rochester. And I was going to college in Buffalo, uh, SUNY Buffalo State. And I uh, did like communications and theater. I had a radio show in college. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I did like the – yeah, I did um, like the news like I, I was like an anchor on the news station mm-hmm. for a little yeah. bit. I thought I, I wanted to be, yeah. you see, yeah, you, you, you know, <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a reporter for a while. I thought I wanted to be like a TV anchor. And then I realized that like, you have, you have to be like a shitty, like you have to go out in the field and get paid jack shit and like interview people on the street. And you, it's the, the path just seemed not, Mm-hmm. Where I wanted to go, and I wanted to be my my natural self is very interested in people and very like playful and funny. So, and I felt like with the news, I couldn't be. You had to be like kind of like a straight man. You had to be, you mm-hmm. know, in in the in the comedy sense. You know, you <laughs> had to be uh, this like serious person. And I was like, well, I can't. Yeah, I can't do that.
1: <laughs> I I had that same experience where I was doing. The anchor and reporting stuff. And what I liked about it was filming it and reading a script and reading a prompter. I enjoyed doing that, but I didn't want to do news and I didn't want to do what felt kind of stuffy to me. Uh, I, I liked interviewing people and I liked uh making jokes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and look at you now, you're doing it.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh but not not nearly as well as you're doing it. I mean, oh god. <laughs> let me tell you. I've applied to many a job at SiriusXM. Um, oh, you
0: have. <laughs> I have a well, full-time job. Yeah.
1: I often wonder if it's because I mean, I've only been here. We're coming we're at 4 years now that we've been living in New York. You're so. baby still. Exactly. And I think everyone in media is like, well, you've only been here four years. <laughs> like, I don't have some of those uh, experiences that in New York that uh, help you get up. Uh, <laughs> so I need uh, I need my uh, Lady Parts Justice to come along <laughs> or something.
0: <laughs> something. I know. There's a lot of like <laughs> – I mean, in New York City, it, I mean, it, not only in comedy, not only in media, not only in like everything people – come to pursue here like you have to it's 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 cutthroat at times and Mm -hmm. it's like paying your dues almost I remember I remember years of like I think I was stagnant at being an associate producer at VH1 for like Mm -hmm. years and I was like fuck and like I wasn't getting on any teams at UCB I wasn't on a you know Mm -hmm. I had auditioned for all of this stuff and I was like what and what am I doing here? And crying to my roommate being like, this isn't what I like. I know I'm better than this. How come this isn't happening? And it and it seemed as though I needed to, like, let time and pay my dues a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and I hate I would hate if someone said that to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just remember a time period where just things just were so stagnant, and it felt like everyone was get was getting everything but me. Yeah, getting on this and this and this and this and this. But then yeah. the tide started to turn a little bit, and then it's like, you know, had a running show at UCB, it was on a mega a musical megawatt at the Magnet, and Friday night shows with Dagger Musical Improv at the Pit every Friday night, and and you know all of a sudden, like, everything is overflowing at once. Right. It's a overwhelming, but um, <laughs> I don't know where I was getting at, but basically, like, <laughs> if you keep going, I think you will start to see the tides turn a little bit for yourself, too.
1: I, I've seen some uh, some tides coming and, and stuff, so that's been good. Um, and, you know, it's all – everyone's experience is so different, even if we're talking about people at the same job. You know, it's just – it's everyone's experience getting there is so different that there isn't really a path you can choose that will, for sure, get you down there because you can go down that path and it'll be something completely different <laughs> that does it for you, and it's oh my just god random and bizarre.
0: Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> it is. It is a lot of networking too. I think a lot of mm. the jobs that I have gotten, and, and I know it's like a classic thing, but honestly, it's I've. I have known someone or I had reached out to someone like on a limb to be like, hey, do you happen to know this? Or, you know, I, when I applied for this job, I reached out for to to someone I knew who worked at the Howard Stern show and Hmm. she forwarded my stuff to, to the people that were hiring. And, you know, it, it's, it is a, a networking kind of a kind of a city and I mean all this to say like now we're in a pandemic and the world has changed and (laughs) all that stuff I mean it's it's I don't know how I don't know what I would have done like I think about this all the time if I had only been in New York like yourself for four years or three years if if I had been at that stagnant point in my career and the pandemic hit I would be in a totally different place right now oh yeah
1: I mean, it, it's uh, we're we're looking at a few years of of uh, a long term bouncing back. <laughs> the bounce is yeah. going to last a few years before we get to back. Um, I guess is the way I want to phrase it. But
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but That's yeah, it's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take some time because uh, some things are just trying. They're they're really trying to get rolling big time. But there's so much uncertainty that uh, it may help in, in the short term. But in long term, who knows?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Whew. Yeah. We'll get
1: there. It's just a matter of when.
0: <laughs> it's just a matter of when.
1: Will it and be 2024?
0: I, I hope sooner. <laughs> but Yeah. I, I try, I try to stay positive.
1: Me too. Yeah. Me too. Despite what and I
0: Are said. you, do you, I'm sure you have a, you and your partner have like a jobs and are, can sustain yourself here and have been okay throughout everything.
1: She definitely has. Um, it's, we're coming up on a year of her being quarantined. Uh, like just hasn't gone into the office. Um, but she got to keep her job and that's been a real blessing for us. Uh, I got to shoot something that I can't name yet. Um, uh. That was, I shot in home. But um, it was supposed to come out in February, and it never did. I don't know what's going on. But um, it was a nice brand. Uh, I love the brand, but I can't talk about it uh, until it airs. Uh, So that was a nice thing to happen. And there was something I shot right before uh, 2020 even started that was a nice thing um, that just is on Disney Plus now. Um, And I mentioned it recently uh, on the I guess last week on the podcast about uh, just this show called The Big Fibs, like a kid game uh, game show.
0: Oh, fun! Um,
1: and so I got to do stuff like that, and uh, there've been some you know, like there've been some small things, but you know, I I felt like a lot of the traction that I got here was in comedy, particularly improv, and um, some acting stuff. But, I mean, all that dried up, so.
0: It's really, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure you, I think I was reading, you you did a lot of stuff at the Magnet, did you, I'm sure you did stuff at all the theaters, too. Actually, Um, no,
1: I've only been at the Magnet. We we got here um, uh, four years ago, uh, almost to the day, and immediately started taking classes at Magnet, and uh, just went through the curriculum, and. Uh, I'm on Sweetheart there, been on there years now, which doesn't seem <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> but, yeah.
1: But this last year was uh for 7 years, so uh <laughs> it's so wow. bizarre how much time has gone. Um, but uh <laughs> but yeah, um so I I just fell in love with the magnet before moving up here, and so
0: they're the best. What... They're the nicest people. I will say, yeah. like I've been involved in all of the theaters, mm-hmm. like performing and knowing a lot of pe- all the people involved in them, and the people at the magnet ha- were always so genuine, so like r- just like nice people. I, I loved I loved yeah. uh, doing stuff with that with that theater.
1: I first fell in love with Magnet because of what I was seeing on stage uh, at a festival. And then I met people and then moved up here and became a part of the community. And then, I, you know, then it was falling in love with just the people because the people are so wonderful. Yeah. And um, there isn't, you know, I just love it. And uh, didn't feel, I, I, for a while I was like, yeah, maybe I'll take a class at UCB uh, just to, I don't know, try a different style that I'm not really strong at. But The more time has gone on, the more I've been like, Magnet was the right choice for me, and I'm just gonna stick with Magnet. Um, Yeah. And I don't know uh, if UCB ever starts training here uh, (laughs) again, then maybe I'll take a class. I mean, they want to sort of change their culture. It was actually as I am so into a lot of performers at UCB, but I was not into a lot of the culture that I was hearing um and somewhat seeing and so that's actually what turned me away it wasn't what was happening on stage uh, that was turning me yeah. away and yeah. um and i know a lot of like wonderful people at ucb but it's a lot of them that have told me some stories that are like oh, okay i just don't want to be around that um but
0: yeah.
1: that culture is getting called out there and uh they're they're working with uh project rethink to oh, okay. Of, good. Yeah, they're they're trying to rethink how they how they run things, and hopefully that'll change some of the culture. But I think a lot of it, because it became such a popular place for industry people, I think yeah. that's really where the culture uh, was out of a out of anyone's control at the top, um, and b uh, uh, the fault of certain people who were there to be cutthroat you know and and tr- mm-hmm. thinking that if they get that on their resume and they get on a team then they can uh, uh get somewhere and then they find out that that's not necessarily how it works <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they get bitter and then they get mean to people and then Oof. it's like you know hey uh that's definitely not gonna help you <laughs> yeah
0: well that's that's it's it's a good thing that you mention that. I think like, cause as I was, I was just thinking about how in my, my stagnant time, when I felt like, you know, you can feel really competitive and I could sense myself at times being like, well, why did they get it? Why did they get it? That sort of thing. And that is so toxic. Um, you know, especially in such a highly competitive thing. And I know, you know, there's more things that I used to be with like race and, and, and stuff that was going on that I, mm-hmm. you're speaking of. Um, but I guess I wanted to say that I don't know I think we we can't be it's the, the negativity can't like yeah like I had to change my 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 view on on competitiveness to be a happier person yeah I guess is what I'm saying maybe they're two different ideas that we're talking about but that just like kind of popped they in really my head
1: to each other though I mean it all is playing a part of you know I, I mean it's something that i think people have have put on the ucb4 who started the theater uh in a lot of ways and i think um they should try to address it like they are but uh i do think that part of what needs to be addressed and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about um how people can play games on twitter uh, in communities Where people are trying to, uh, are only there because they're trying to get ahead, they can play a lot of games too. And we can't just put it on Amy Poehler. Uh, We also have to put it on the people who are doing things. Um, Obviously, if it's a teacher, then yes, that's the responsibility of the UCB4. But if it's students, I don't know how the UCB four could call that out easily when there are millions of students. <laughs> you know, so there's so many, many students. At, at, at some point, people have to have personal responsibility for what's going on, and if they are yeah. contributing in uh, in some way to uh, the overall negativity, then they should get checked on that and they should check themselves. And so it's one of those sort of situations where, okay, can everyone who contributed to this acknowledge their little bit of responsibility and respond to it and, uh, and change. But also it's not easy, you know, like there are going to be some unknown things that are going to come your way and you're not going to be prepared to handle them. And so you're going to handle them imperfectly. And then people are going to complain that you're not perfect. And it's like, you're missing the point here, people.
0: (laughs) I don't know how we're going to get out of this tailspin of this, you know, back and forth of that swing, you know, kind of like full circle of what we're talking about in the beginning. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know how this it's still muddy waters here. Right. (laughs) You know,
1: (laughs) and it goes back to like, I, I mean, I'm not trying to say everything is Trump's fault, but I do think he created an (laughs) atmosphere. (laughs) He created an atmosphere that brought the worst out of all of us, even in things that had nothing to do with politics. And Exactly. um, That's exactly
0: what it is. The creating of the atmosphere for, for which people felt that they could act in a certain horrible way. That's mm -hmm. exactly what it is.
1: Yeah. And you see it in so many different realms and, People just need to recognize how they are contributing to that atmosphere. If it's contributing in some bad way, maybe just adjust, just adjust. Let's, let's, let's extend some grace to people who aren't being malicious. Yeah. (laughs) Let's, let's forgive the forgivable, but you know, we got to reserve our energy for the, the times when people are being intentionally malicious. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yes. Yes for when it's really like, ooh, really bad.
1: Yeah. Well, you went from seeing a lot of that uh, and before you took the job at XM and now you've pivoted into working at XM. And I'm kind of curious because we are living in this society where, um, especially if when comedy is involved, when people go to do a job that's uh, uh, more of a, traditional job i don't know the right word uh, for just like not a comedy job their past their tweets um (laughs) whatever can sometimes be used against them when they're just trying to get a job in an office or something like that did your work that you had done before uh or or, or some of the uh, anything that someone can twist into being controversial even though it wasn't offensive did was there any of that that you had to deal with or, or keep separate oh no
0: no i mean I'm, my, the show that i work on uh the michelle collins show is um she's a com- she's a comedian she's mm-hmm. very funny she's um freeform uh, i get to be on the show too like the serious sex has been very amazing in terms of like freedom of speech you know saying her opinion on how the world has been and, you know, her, her opinions on things that come out in the news with Trump. I mean, the show is very, you know, funny and, and, and so if anything, it helped me get the job. Mm -hmm. Every, everything it's, I mean, I I would essentially call her show like a comedy show. It's Mm -hmm. a very, she's very funny. Um, So yeah, it's that my job kind of isn't really, it's, you know, I'm on the live on the air every morning from eight to 10 um, with her, you know, producing this live show. So it's actually anything but traditional, you know, I, I, <laughs> right. in in the, in terms of like me getting, having healthcare and getting a, a paycheck. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <Right. laughs> that is traditional. And that is what I wanted. And I like, I like producing and I like, um, you know, that aspect of things. And, and essentially I'm still producing comedy. Like I really right. am. Um, you know Michelle always wants to come up with funny ideas and uh, you know what how what could we talk about with this thing how can we make this funny so I'm using my comedy skills I'm using my producing skills mm-hmm. I'm using my on-air skills you know so it's almost a convergence of, of everything that I've done to um, and, and she's and Michelle's very political too so if there's something and I'm p- I'm still paying attention to everything in the news as far as like, you know, abortion stuff or political stuff. So, you know, I have something to say about it now and I'm more more um I guess versed in certain things. I think I have a little bit more of an opinion and can be verbal about it. So, mm-hmm. um yeah. Yeah, no. If if anything, all the things in my past, or things that I've tweeted, or embarrassing videos, yeah. <laughs> they probably helped me get this job. If anything.
1: <laughs> well, that's the dream. That is the dream in 2021. <laughs> oh my god!
0: And and I get to do I do it from home now. I mean, it's like, it you know, it gets it gets a little old at times. But like, I mean, what a time to have gone into radio! Holy shit! I mean, I was on I was on the like TV track, you know. Performance track, and then you know, 2019, I decided to pivot into radio, which I really didn't see coming. I kind of just like saw the job, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply for that. That sounds kind of cool. Awesome. Um, it's kind of in the world that I want. And then, you know, a year later, it's like, you know, one of the mediums that people are still devouring. You know, right. so um, I feel I feel lucky that. Mm. You know, people listen to podcasts, listen to radio shows and listen to apps and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I feel like I'm in a, a good a good place. Yeah. With a gig like that is
1: work like that uh, that you're doing. It's helping us keep sane. Uh, people are
0: yeah, so. going to
1: have something going on uh, for them to <laughs> not just be in their apartment alone. Uh, oh so listening to funny stuff is definitely helpful.
0: yes yes go listen to some comedy god it's like anything to like get our spirits up because it's 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 a it's a sad it's a been a sad year for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. you know if anything comedy has not only helped me you know but doing it has helped me you know being in the world has helped me you know cope with everything Mm -hmm. so um i i'm happy if like Someone who's, you know, consuming that content is also, it's also bringing them joy. I mean, I consume other comedy content. It makes me happy. So, of course, they do. Um, <laughs> I've been up since like 5 a.m. So, I'm so sorry. I was if I'm just like...
1: about to ask, working 8 to 10, does that mean getting up at 5 a.m.?
0: Well, so, when we were live in the studio, when I had to go to Midtown, we were mm. actually live from 7 a.m. to mm. 10 a.m. So, I had to wake up at 4.30, leave my apartment at 5.00. To get to Midtown by six, uh, but now I wake up around five forty-five, but I don't have to commute. Right, but it's still early. Five forty-five is still like for a human early. Listen,
1: I, I when I was working as a traffic reporter, you have to get to work before that six a.m. traffic morning it. traffic starts. So yeah, uh, and when you don't live, when you have to travel. Oh boy, it is getting up at 4 a.m. <laughs> and it's, leaving I never, at five and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it, the the four four thirty was a was a big life change for me. Mm-hmm. But it, at times it kind of felt exciting though because it was like I was going into New York City in Midtown at five a.m. Like <laughs> pigeons are shitting, newspapers are getting thrown on doorsteps, like homeless men are peeing, like the smell of rats and like the the city coming alive is almost like you know I felt like I was in some sort of like rom com, mm-hmm. but um. You know, it gets old fast though. Once you are tired, hungover, and having to go into a studio uh, every day, but um, but you know what? It's a. I got a job. Struggle. I'm lucky. Yes. Yes.
1: And you're also bringing a lot of joy to people, so that's good. Well, I yeah, can talk I hope to you. So. Yeah, I think you are. I think we can uh, definitely say you are. <laughs> Uh, I could talk to you forever, you're awesome, but we are at the end of the episode, we have to create something together. Oh, yes, okay. Yes. So, we didn't really talk about the process of your writing, but we did talk about how you were making comedy on topics that people would maybe scratch their head at and say, like, how can you write comedy from that? Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: is there any way you can walk us through... How someone can make comedy with things that aren't inherently funny?
0: Oh my god! Oh wow! Now the wheels are turning. <laughs> oh man! It's ooh. See, this is why I'm not a teacher. <laughs> I, it's, it's it's like it's so hard for me to come like a with come up with like a step by step.
1: Well, I. I- I'm curious because I know that a lot of times comedy pieces come from, at least for me, and I've heard this with other comedians, is they'll experience something or see something and go, well, that's dumb or, well, that's hilarious. Um, I assume there's still a part of that, but obviously, since it's about you know uh, abortion rights mm-hmm.
0: you're,
1: you're obviously not saying like abortion well <laughs> that's inherently funny like of course you're not doing right. that which some people may assume you're doing right off right. the bat but you're not actually Mm-mm. would it just would it start with in engaging the subject matter you hear someone's stance and you go like well that's stupid <laughs> that's a dumb stance <laughs> and then you start lampooning it or like
0: yeah, I think like you know, with someone who, like, let's say, like a right-leaning um, Republican said something really uh, dumb about like Plan B. Like, this is something that like a lot of the the right who are misinformed about like you know women stuff would say. Like, they would say, "Well, Plan B is um, is you know an abortion." And it's like they th- like for there's so many things that you, you're like, OK, let's let's rewind uh-huh. um, like it, it, there's science here that you're not understanding. Like Plan B is actually the science of it is it's going in before an egg is even planted into right. the uterus and it is preventing a pregnancy from even happening. So therefore, it's not a uh, it's not an abortion. Uh-huh. Um, so. I guess. Like, so if so, if that was a thing, I mean, I'll give an example, like we made this funny video um, about uh, so that exactly about what the what plan B does, like, oh, my God, these people have no idea what they're talking about. There's science behind this. Um, how can we make this funny? Like, what is a funny way to like teach someone about like the intricacies of like plan B? Like, what is this? Um, what's something from some people's childhood that like maybe Sesame Street, oh, maybe Schoolhouse Rock.
1: Right. So, so <laughs> like, oh, yeah.
0: let's let's make a let's make a parent. Let's let's teach people via Schoolhouse Rock what exactly Plan B is. You know, let's what like we, you know, joke about like, oh, yeah, you know. putting, putting the pill, you know, through, through the, what is this thing called? I don't play football. The uprights,
1: Yeah, (laughs) whatever
0: they are. (laughs) So like, that's actually something that we made. We made a, a parody video in the style of school of rock teaching people about, you know, what plan B is, or, or, or was that the one where we did about how, what, how to make a bill, how a bill becomes a law. I, I don't know. It might this is that, like yeah. years ago at this, <laughs> at this point, but we did a whole video about like what exactly plan B was. And we did it through the lens of this like fun pop culture thing. Um, so I guess you could take something that's like, that's like completely wrong that someone says, and then, you know, kind of like tearing it down a little bit. Like why, why would they say that? Uh, because they don't understand science. Okay, wh- well, then how can we teach them about science? Oh, let's do a parody video. So it almost is like in in that way, you kind of have to go that's peel, where the comedy it, peel it comes back in. a little yeah. bit. Yeah, Yeah. okay.
1: That seems, that's very doable and <laughs> tangible. No, 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 no. I think that's very doable and tangible because what came to my mind was like, if someone's like, okay, uh, obviously this person or this this group of people uh, don't understand science. How can we explain science to them? And then the first thing that came to my mind, other than um, I'm just a bill, uh, other yeah. than schoolhouse rock was, uh, well, a lot of people seem to have gotten their science from Jurassic Park. Uh, maybe there's some way to uh, do a parody <laughs> yes. like that.
0: <laughs> there's so many, yeah. There's so many things. Jurassic Park. There's the, that egg. There's the thing. There's the <laughs> right. the little thing in the in the 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 molasses that you could do. Uh-huh. You could do. There's so, there's some metaphors that you could take there. Um, t- teaching about like yeah. You're in the we're in the right direction here.
1: Okay, um, and and once you get your your take, then it's part uh, getting the facts right, but then also just pure comedy. Uh, and, and yes. they're just converging. The moments where you need to have a fact, you put in facts, and the moments where you need a laugh, you find uh, a, a, something funny to put in there.
0: Yeah, something something goofy, something relatable, pop culture. Um you know, I'm 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 also I'm something else is coming to mind that we did that was um that was funny cuz sometimes we'll go in the opposite direction. Sometimes it's not necessarily like Oh, we found this tweet that's like kind of fucked up. Sometimes we'll we'll think of a uh, think of something in the ether of the world that's happening. Like in in you know, in comedy, yeah, it's like and you know you you kind of take from what's happening in the world. And 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 a lot of times in this sense, we would take pop culture things. Like one of the things that's kind of like blown up in the last few years is like ancestry.com, mm-hmm. and uh, people getting their getting their um. You know, they find out their past. They find out, you know, oh, what do I come from? And so I think the idea that we came up with, um, it's called Mancestry. (laughs) And um, so we would go the other way as far as like, oh, how could we, what can we fit into this pop culture thing? Um, You know, oh, what if we took, Uh, someone who thought they were a Republican all these years. And it actually turns out they're a white supremacist. Like, you know, so there's there, we, we've come at it from both directions.
1: That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there it is. Abby, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
0: Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. This is lovely chatting with you.
1: It was lovely chatting with her. As I said, one of my favorite talks. I hope you enjoyed that. And if you want to hear more from her, she has a podcast of her own. It's called The Disaster Feminist. And you can get that wherever you get podcasts. And you can also follow that podcast on Instagram at Disaster Feminist. You can follow her at Abby Holland Picks. Hey, that's like my handle at Jason Farr Picks. See, Abby and I should be best friends. You can also follow the podcast at There It Is Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget that we have a comedy lifestyle newsletter, and you can check that out. You can also support us. Go to thereitispod.com for info and all that, links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other.